0: parenting teenagers. I'm your host, Andy Earle. Hey, we're here today with Andrea Brand talking about sex. Andrea is the author of Stop Sweating and Start Talking, How to Make Sex Chats with Your Kids Easier Than You Think. She worked for decades in public health and as a research consultant, before eventually transitioning her career to focus on sex education and helping others to live more purposefully. We're talking with Andrea today about why it's so difficult for parents to talk about sex, what is wrong with most approaches to sex education, and the sex education your teenagers are probably receiving in school. We're going to talk about how to communicate your values around sex in a healthy and efficient way. We're going to see how you can find sex education programs and groups in your community to get your teenager involved in and why that's so helpful and important. And we're going to look at how you can start a group of your own to get some teenagers in your area or your city involved in some regular chats where you can bring up topics like sex. Really looking forward to talking about all that and a whole lot more. Andrea, welcome to Talking to Teens. Well, parents love talking about sex. So, I think this is a perfect uh perfect collaboration here. How in the world would you possibly um, get into this this field? What would possibly inspire you to wanna to talk about the topic that parents seem to hate talking about more than anything else?
1: Well, it's, it's so funny that you said parents love talking about sex sort of tongue in cheek, because I do feel there's so many adults who absolutely are comfortable talking about sex with their friends, with their partners, with other adults in their lives. And then all of a sudden things change when it comes to talking to their kids. It's like a whole other story altogether. And so that's what prompted me to write this book. That became very apparent to me when I was talking with a lot of my adult friends who at the time had prepubescent kids basically. And I sort of would ask, how you doing talking to your kids about sex? and not all the time but by the vast majority of the time people would respond with oh no i haven't been doing that or they would just have this a look a glaze comes over their eyes so it just it became apparent to me that it's all too common it really is very common for parents to not be comfortable talking about sex with their kids for a number of reasons i on the other hand was very comfortable talking about it with my kids and it's also been something that has been connected in my career from the get go like starting back in college uh so it just seemed like this book was ready to come out of me and thus i decided to actually put it out there in the world
0: one topic in the book is sort of this idea of comprehensive sex education versus abstinence only um and uh I, this is uh reading this has been getting me thinking a lot about the sex education i received when i was a teenager and i mean multiple multiple times i think you know, we talked about it in fifth grade we talked about it in middle school talked about it in high school and going through the topics that you talk about in your book that are important to cover as part of sex education and really a lot of those we'd ever covered <laughs> and um uh, and I, I felt like, you know, uh, especially things like uh, LGBTQ issues and pleasure. And I mean, so many just like basic uh, concepts that seem well, almost like no brainers that would be uh, included in a uh, unit on sex education or were completely missing from uh, what I received and had to just kind of figure out on my own. Why is sex education so, uh, so limited in schools? Yeah,
1: I know it's that's such a you raise such great points right there. You're absolutely right. Everything you've said is completely relatable. Um, a lot of it depends on where somebody lives in the country, yeah. but it's not even that cut and dry. It's not that simple. So just to give you the, the big background overview is that there are guidelines there are federal guidelines about what can be included or should be included in sex ed but they're only guidelines what that means is then states have the freedom to decide how they want to address it and then within each state you also the schools school districts have a degree of autonomy so just to give you a couple of examples um you have a number of states I I mean the last the last time I checked for my book was just under a year ago. But just okay. under a year ago, I think there were 30 states that required sex education be taught at all. But that didn't mean it had to be comprehensive. It could be <laughs> it could be abstinence only, which is right. also now known it might also be called sexual risk avoidance. Just so mm-hmm. you know those terms are interchangeable.
0: Okay. okay.
1: So it just meant something had to be taught but what gets scarier is is that of those 15 didn't didn't have a requirement that it be medically accurate so i mean i just pause right there
0: mm.
1: you could basically say yep we teach sex ed but it's not factual <laughs> so, right like you can see where this is going and how right. this can it's really a disservice to kids and and disempowering to kids so it might not be medically accurate, might not be culturally responsive. Okay, right. so lacking cultural sensitivity and so forth. And it may may not be evidence-based or evidence-informed. So that means it's not based on any rigorous curriculum that's been studied and peer reviewed and so forth. So you can see how it's a setup for a lack of good, solid, appropriate, factual, medically accurate information. And so I I don't want to get too much into the weeds, but I will just say that I happen to live in a state that's known to be rather progressive. And even in my state, Mm. you can have two school districts next to each other. One might be teaching a comprehensive sex ed curriculum and the town over may be teaching the the sexual risk avoidance curriculum, if or nothing at all. I mean, so and I'm in a more progressive state as as. As politicians would say. So if you were to just look across a map of the United States, it's really it's all over the board. Um, And I mean, there's a lot of issues that come up with it. A lot of the curriculum are very heteronormative. So if you're not someone who identifies as, you know, a straight male, for example, no. You're you're feeling left out in that classroom. I mean, right. and I'm oversimplifying it, but I just I'm trying to really say how you can see how it really can alienate a, a big segment of our population. And yeah. how how does that how do people in the classroom feel if if they're not identifying with what's being taught?
0: Yeah, right. right.
1: However, you want to cut that. So, yeah. So sex ed in the U.S. is um, probably not one of our greatest strengths here They're are some countries who are doing it better for sure and you know that's when i say okay so if we can't rely on on this happening in schools then where where are kids going to get good information and do you want to be passive about well, that from porn bingo so that's a great place for people for kids to look they think they yeah. oh well i'm just going to go online and i'll either for entertainment or or maybe they're seeking out information and they land on porn yeah and that's you know totally makes sense that that's going to happen now imagine if somebody doesn't have sexual experience nor sexual education and they are all of a sudden seeing porn they've never seen before wow is that not only eye-opening but they're getting they're now taking on what they're seeing as this is what it is and That can cause a lot of misunderstanding about sex, power dynamics, violence, consent, um, safety. I mean, you name it. Like, I'm just trying to sum it up right here for a moment. But so many things, if that's someone's introduction without really having the media literacy or the ability to see that what they're watching isn't necessarily based in reality or good, healthy relationships.
0: You had some interesting um, responses in here. You uh, surveyed some parents about why Is it important for your child to receive accurate sex education? Where do you want your child to learn about sex? How important is it for you to be their primary resource in this area? Um, What fears do you have about talking to your child about sex? Uh, And I thought some of the um, responses that you shared in here were really, really interesting. Um, What what did you learn from questioning parents about this topic?
1: Yeah, what I learned is that We can make no assumptions so people even people who have an understanding that it's important to talk to their kids about sex are still sometimes frozen in their tracks Um, i've learned that there's a lot of common fears that that parents have and they also have a lot of common goals like they want their kids to be empowered with information they want their kids to know that there are go-to the parents are go-to resources or there's other adult substitutes who can be go-to resources they want their kids to understand that sex is not only for reproduction that it's also for pleasure and that you get to have full control over your body you are it's up it's all you to be giving consent, to check in with your partner, to making sure that you're rece- you're you're giving consent, you're receiving consent, that it's an ongoing thing. Um yeah, I mean parents have a lot, a lot of feelings about this, and yet it's not something you hear parents talking about very much. No. Yeah. Exactly. Parents are keeping this to themselves. You know, I think it's partially has to do with their own template from how they were growing up, Hmm. from maybe not having a comfortable role model about uh, talking about this openly, figuring out things on their own a few decades ago, or based on these maybe not very rigorous sex ed classes if they had any in their school. Um, So it's, you know, this is one of those things where it's like we are, I don't wanna sound dramatic, but almost like breaking the cycle of what we had as a model. In going forward, you know, my takeaway from the parents is they have a lot of really good intentions. They really do want. To be a go to resource, not just to be the go to, but to be proactive in initiating conversations, but somehow just get stopped in their tracks. You know, Mm. it just brings up stuff and they, they end up putting it off, hoping to get to it later, but not necessarily prioritizing it.
0: So uh, one thing we talk a lot about on the show is values, and um, you have a really great section on values in here and life values and values surrounding sex. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about just how, um, well, figuring out your what values you want to communicate, uh, and then also analyzing what values you actually are communicating or um, what messages your teenager might be receiving um, about what your values are.
1: Yeah, it's true. Because one thing that I realized a while ago is that we're constantly sharing our values with our kids, even if we're not overtly saying.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they're so perceptive and they make assumptions about what our values are in all kinds of areas without us even really saying anything or realizing that we're communicating anything
1: and i i believe that they're more likely to make those assumptions when we're not overtly stating what those values are mm-hmm. right so they're yep. picking up on subtle cues or maybe not so subtle cues that we're giving off i think i may give examples of this in the book i'm not sure but you know even if you're listening to a news story on the radio that somehow triggers you and you blurt out a response to nobody you're sort of Uh talking to the radio child in the room is picking up on that on what it is that you're responding to even if you're not having this conversation with the child about the topic uh that you're listening to Mm -hmm. for example or not saying something out loud or not talking about something gives is where they get all the space to create all the assumptions that and that's where you can get yourself into a lot of misunderstandings. I don't want to say get into trouble, but just misunderstandings. So the way around that is really to just steer into things, right? And and this can start at early ages. So even though, you know, a lot of the conversations that we think of having, especially the ones that give us knots in our stomachs or make us feel tongue-tied are the ones that happen when the kids are tweens or teens, there are so many conversations starting from early, you know, as soon as your child has language skills that are setting the stage and that are conveying your values. And one of the things that I do love to emphasize about being the person to talk to your kids about sex is it is the most beautiful opportunity to thread your values into sex education that sometimes parents are worried are going to be omitted when kids get Whatever sex ed, if they get any sex ed in school. So yeah. I don't feel like, it's it, you know, sex ed is not either at school or at home. I'm <clears throat> in my view, it's you're getting it from many reputable resources. So it's hopefully at school. There could even be some good community programs and parents still, even if they're getting comprehensive sex ed from these other places that are yeah. good. You still can be reinforcing it, and that's your chance to say what your values are. And by sexual values, what do I mean? You know, a lot of times parents aren't aware of what their sexual values are, and that's why I wanted to put something in the book to help people get in touch with what those are. Um, you know, a simple one might be, and some I sometimes feel a little old-fashioned even just saying this, but I'm going to put it out there, um, sex before you're in a... Lifetime committed relationship, whether it's marriage or life partner, it doesn't matter. Um, you know that's an example of a value. Do you agree that that's okay, or do you agree that that's not okay for whatever reason? You know, and how is that coming across to your and why? And why if if you are one who doesn't believe in that, and you know, sex being sexual until you're with your final life partner. Um, why is that where does that come from and so forth so it's it's not just having a statement that you're like this is my value and that's that's it it's trying to get in touch with an understanding why is that and digging a little bit deeper because that often can cause then parents to reflect see what's inside and even open their mind to maybe a perspective that's a little bit different for their child even if it's you know it's a little bit more open than what they thought was the parent's own value. Yeah. Really self-awareness. It really has to do with just getting in touch with that. And a lot of us don't do it unless we're absolutely confronted with it. You know, there's so many varying degrees of people who are, you know, self-awareness.
0: Yeah. Uh, but at that point then uh it's a little bit late. Like...
1: Yeah, exactly right. Exactly. as you saw, there's a lot of things in here that try to help parents get in touch with um, their sexual values. An example is, you know, pleasure, right? The, the, the primary reason people are sexually involved is pleasure. Right. And yet that rarely comes out in sex ed. No. Sex ed really goes often back to I don't I mean, I don't even know what words to say just sort of reproduction you know, like nuts and bolts of reproduction. And first of all, that's just a fraction of sexual activity. And it certainly doesn't account for all forms of reproduction anymore. Right. Like, you know, it's just, it's missing out on so many things. So pleasure is, is a big topic that is often overlooked. And honestly, I, I feel that it's, it's so important for kids to understand um, that, sex is can be pleasurable and it can lead to some really wonderful discussions w- between parent and child and again it just so many opportunities to explain um yes it's pleasurable and typically though you would wait until you um you know feel comfortable you do things only when it's when you feel it's your time And there's so many it's opportunities for so many more discussions. I know here I'm oversimplifying it just f- for our purposes, but yeah. no shortage of great discussions. And then it also is a relationship building with with parent and child because you're trusted. It shows yeah. that you're you're not um, you're not reacting. You're not shaming. I mean, these are all to me parts of being that comfortable open go-to person for your child um to be able to give really good information and to give off that message that you can come to me with anything and i'm not going to fly off the handle make you feel less than or shamed or anything you know and i feel as parents isn't that what we want for our children to come to us so we can be good communicators two ways really
0: and by um, going there and talking about it, even though it's awkward, really making the effort to be non judgmental, you also are sending the message that, that you're a uh, presence that they can talk to you about really anything. And I think that we should see it as an opportunity. Um, talking about sex allows us to build more trust, like you're saying, and deepen our communication with our teenagers so that then now they feel like they can come to us with uh, all kinds of situations in the future. Like, hey, wow. Uh, If mom uh, came to me with like that super awkward conversation um, about the clitoris, then uh, I can tell her about this thing I'm struggling with or this thing that happened to me. And um, so I, I, I really think that um, that's actually a huge benefit of having these kinds of talks.
1: I agree with you. I completely agree with you. And in fact, a lot of the things that I um, outline and use as as ex- exercises in the book really can be used for any any topics that are difficult to have. Yeah. You know, it really, it, I I do feel like this is to help people get over their fears or whatever barriers they put up. And let's be honest, the barriers are self-imposed. That's what we do. We put these barriers up um, and we need to, you know, just chip away at them and it becomes easier. And then these discussions become almost second nature.
0: We're here today with Andrea Brand, talking about how to make sex chats with your kids easier than you think. And we're not done yet. Here's a look at what's coming up in the second half of the show.
1: You need to take a pause. And that pause could be as brief as a breath, right? Like just taking a moment and just catching your breath. Or it could be realizing that you might need more than that being able to tap into your inner strength and say to your child, I hear you and I need to get back to you on that. You know, kids want to be seen and they want to be heard. And so acknowledging and validating is so key for, you know, all of the things that we're talking about right now. I can't emphasize that enough. What we often call the sex talk really has been replaced by a series of sex talks that's basically ongoing from toddlerhood until they move out of the house. I mean, really, that's what it is. So some sometimes you still people hear using the language the sex talk. Right. Which is kind of a misnomer because it's not a talk. Who in their right mind can say everything you need to know about a specific topic <laughs> one today. Like, really? But it's such really? a simple,
0: basic topic, you know. <laughs>
1: so, yes. That one is like a a big one for parents to embrace. You know, yeah. a lot of parents sort of wake up when their kid is thirteen, yeah. or I mean, oh you my know,
0: god, I got to talk.
1: About oh it my this. god, I haven't had the talk. I need to sit them down and have the talk. <laughs> and I just say, well, it's never too late. Totally. But you need to start now, and you're going to keep going. You're going to keep going now, you know. And and the next tip I would say is. Don't sit them down for hours long talk. Keep keep things in small doable bites and maybe just think of addressing one thing at a time and see where it goes. And literally a few minutes. It's just a few minutes.
0: Want to hear the full interview? Sign up for a subscription today. You get access to all the interviews I've conducted as well as new episodes weeks before the general public. It's completely affordable and Your subscription helps support the work we do here at Talking to Teens. Thanks for listening.